All right, I'm here with uh, Kelly Uja um, on episode two of Curious Conversations with Matt. Hey, how are you? I'm good, good. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course, of course. I'm glad you can make it here. So, um, you know, word on the street is you're the president and CEO of uh, Versa Networks. Is this true? That is true. I've been at Versa since uh, 2016. It was uh, less than probably 80 employees when I got here, and uh, we're a little bigger now. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's good to hear. You know, growth is always uh, top of mind. So where were you at before Versa? Uh, actually, I spent uh, 18 years off and on at Cisco. Um, I got to Cisco through a, a company called Stratacom. Cisco had acquired uh, the company in 1996. I was there for a few years. I left and then ended up getting coming back to Cisco, and then I was there till 2016. Versa um, Networks threw you a curveball. That's well, actually, I left Cisco, um, uh, and we can get into that if you want. But uh, then actually, I was taking time off, relaxing, and the Versa board approached me and convinced me to come join them. Well, I'd say the convincing worked, huh? <laughs> it sure did. All right. So, Kelly, tell me, you know, how's life been for real? Uh, well, um, there's a personal part and a professional part. Personal life is, you know, uh, great. I've got three kids. My eldest uh, just moved to Boise uh, last year. And, uh, you know, he's settling in there. My youngest just graduated from college. And my daughter uh, has been living in L.A. since she graduated from San Diego. And she got engaged. So, you know, personally, things, a lot going on. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's like, uh, sounds like you got a pretty slam-packed year then. That's right. Well, and professionally, it's been great too because you know the the, the space that we're in and the market that we're in, um, you know, is is quite interesting because you know there's so much going on in the world, whether it's geopolitical, macroeconomic, um, you know, microeconomic, whichever way you look at it, a right. ton of stuff going on. But despite all that, you know, um, the the customers are focused on how to improve their business, right? How to how to really do more with less. You know, one customer um, said on on uh, in our user conference that. Their CEO is saying the business is going to grow, but the amount of uh, spend that they have in internal resources isn't going to grow uh, aligned with that. So they have to find new ways of doing things, and they have to find new ways of doing things. And that's where we come in, because what we do for network and security is really beneficial to customers, because we allow them to do what they need to do with a lot less um, uh, effort, so that they can free up cycles to focus on business growth. Gotcha. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, my next question was, can you explain what Versa Networks is for the listeners that have never even heard of it? <laughs> well, I'd love to do that because I think that, that that doesn't quite triangulate what we do. What we do is we actually simplify how enterprises who are our customers can protect their users, devices, and sites, and connect them to workloads and applications, which can be anywhere, public cloud, private cloud, um, SaaS services, or even on edge compute. It doesn't matter. So it's really simplify how enterprises can protect their users' sites and devices and connect them to workloads and applications anywhere, anytime. You mean anywhere, anytime, like I could be up in space? You could be anywhere, anytime. Wow. That's that's awesome. That I mean, that's crazy. Um, you know, on top of that, what, what's been going on recently that you expected in your life or haven't expected that kind of hits you? Uh, well, a lot, right? One is, um, of course, uh, continued business growth and momentum. You know, that's something that I don't know if it's expected or not. I expect it because the market's hot and, you know, we're one of the hottest companies around. Um, I think some of the surprises around the the, the, the banking um, world, 
Um, you know, uh, I don't know. Silicon Valley Bank. Well, not just Silicon Valley Bank. It's all over, right? The regional banks, right? Um, the issue around that, what's happening in Europe with, with um, some of the banks there. I think that was, um, I don't know if that was fully expected. I mean, some of the um, the economic concerns in the U.S., I think people were predicting there'll be a recession and, you know, that's been going back and forth. So some of the turbulence in the market, nobody can ever predict. So that's something that, you know, perhaps um, always kind of gets you and surprises you. But what you have to do is you have to be prepared and you have to act through it and, uh, you know, kind of learn to do the right things and focus on the up, up, upturn when you're actually this year coming out of it, because that can help your business grow. Right. You know, uh, the banking world and, you know, stocks and everything, but it's very volatile right now. But I mean, how do you even know how to make the right decision? Well, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's never easy because, you know, you've got to, you've got to have, uh, you've got to go, um, collect all the data and you have to get different data inputs, different set of inputs from different people um, and understand what's going on. So in this world, you know, you've got to go look at um, other banks. You've got to look at what's happening in the financial markets. You've got to go look at peers of other companies and CEOs and see what they're thinking. And then, um, you know, you've got to process all that and collectively as a team, you've got to discuss it, debate it, and then basically use your instincts to say, well, um, I don't know right or wrong, but this is probably the best thing for us to at this time. And then you've got to align as a team and in, uh, in private companies or in public companies, you've got to have, you know, the leadership work with the board and figure out in, in the right decisions what you need to do. And then you go do it. There you go. There you go. And that was... applies not just in the top level, but even inside the organization. That, that's done across all the levels. And whether it's product strategy or, um, you know, banking or financial strategy or, um, you know, investment strategy, same thing. I mean, you got it across all T's and dot all I's. So that's what it like, um, you know, mentioning the relationships that you have, I was going to say, um, obviously, you know, you and Kumar, I just had him on the show last week. Oh, good. Awesome. He was tremendous. Loved learning everything he had to say, but you and Kumar are, you know, great friends and business partners. Where, like, where do you see that relationship growing in the future? Well, um, actually, I, I, I don't know if you know, because you may not have been to the office, but I sit right between Apurva and Kumar. So I have a good relationship with, with both of them. And, you know, um, they're brothers, but, you know, I've kind of uh, come in and, and been a bridge between them uh, because they, as brothers, you know, they go through what they go through in terms of, uh, you know, good times and emotional times and disagreements. So I have to bridge in between. But my relationship with both of them is very good, solid, positive. Uh, Kumar and I get along well and great. Um, we always, uh, you know, kind of debate and discuss things, uh, and we focus on the issue. Where the relationship goes in a few years, I think we'll remain um, uh, good uh, friends, even post whatever comes in our life, uh, past versa, or in a few years. So I expect us to have a very good relationship. I mean, he knows my kids, and his wife knows my wife. I know his kids, so you know, I th expect that to continue. Same thing with Aparva uh, as well. Well, there you go. It sounds like uh, you know you, Kumar, and uh, Aparva, the triple threat <laughs> <laughs> well you can call it what you want but i think uh what's important is to know that we work together as a team and um because we bring different uh, lens to the table and we always uh discuss things and you know debate like i said discuss debate and decide um you know on different topics and issues and then we move forward it's good to hear you do that because you know i'd imagine that your values and goals have to be aligned in order to make you know versus what it is right now of course. Well, that, that's absolutely true. And, you know, uh, one goal that we all have, and it's not just the, the three of us, but the entire leadership team has, and everyone at Versa, is to make the company wildly successful. 
Right. And that fundamentally is the unifying goal. And every everything else said and done, when we when we're talking about it, that's that's the goal that we keep in mind and decide what's the best thing to do. Keep with that goal in mind. Good. All right. So, you know, kind of taking it back even more a little bit, what like what made you want to get into tech industry? Like did you always have this this tick in your mind that you're like, oh, I love tech. Or, you know, <laughs> what was the what was the deciding factor? Yeah, so th- th- this this goes back to uh, uh, many years ago, uh, Matt, when I was, uh, um, and it's a personal story, so bear with me. Um, but um, I, I'm, a, I'm from a family. My dad, you know, we're a middle-class family. My dad used to be a cop. I was the youngest of six siblings and the only boy. Uh, when I was 10, my dad passed away. And the way it happened was he had an accident, and we didn't have a phone in the house because in those days in India, there was no phones around. Uh, it was a luxury, right? So we didn't have a phone around. So I got intrigued by why couldn't we find out that that had happened? Why didn't we have a phone in the house? What's something about that that makes it so special? So at that point, at that day, I remember very clearly that I decided I was going to be an engineer and it was going to be in communications. So that stayed with me and that drove my focus and resolve to um, getting into high school, to college, into engineering, uh, you know, focusing on communications. And then coming out of college and working in telecommunications. Uh, and that's what brought me back to the Valley because at first I was working for telcos and service providers, uh, building networks. But I said, no, I need to go deeper into what makes this click, right? So I went deeper into uh, building the products, building the technologies, and rather than consuming them, influencing them. Because I wanted to make sure that I really get to the bottom of it. And that's what's been driving me all the way through my, my, my career and my life. Well, I want to send my condolences to you, um, you know, for your father passing away. I rest in peace, but also mentioning that that's a totally different approach instead of the consumer aspect, the influencing aspect. I think that's awesome. You know, digging deep. And I think everyone needs to dig deep and, you know, roll up your sleeves and find out what you're truly passionate about, what you love, you know, to grow and get out of your comfort zone. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I learned this, um, a few years ago where it's really the why, and I had to go deep, dig deep as to the why. And when I had that uh, kind of the moment that I realized what was the why, it was, um, it was, it, it all clicked together. And it hit you at, a, uh, you know, a young age. It did. So you must have been uh, pretty mature at age 10. Uh, <laughs> I, I was a kid, you know, I'm not, unlike any other kids, I was in the same way. And... Yeah. All right. So, you know, kind of bringing up a little humor here. What was the hardest, uh, actually, no, 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 let's backtrack here. What was or is the most embarrassing moment of your life so far? Oh boy. <laughs> um, it's gotta be one. I'll have to dig deep, Matt. I don't, I don't, um, well, you just, you just told me you dig deep. So let's hear it. Yeah. I just haven't had time to dig deep on that one. So, <laughs> we um, can get back to it. We can come back to it. Yeah. If you don't mind. Thank you. So I guess right now, um, you know, you just said that was the thing that clicked for you at age 10. So what, what was the hardest challenge you've ever had to overcome in your life? You know, there's been many. Um, um, you know, we, um, I think as a, as a, as an individual or as a person, um, you know, having that goal, um, and anything that kind of, uh, tried to veer me off that goal was, was a challenge. Right. So, um, and we went through, you know, hardships like every, every, everyone does. And I had my own personal hardships where, um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I, I, um, I was a freshman in college and, uh, as it happens, you know, you, you kind of go into college and it's a new world. So 
you get a little distracted, you know, you kind of um, go focus on getting um, A's and um, non-academic stuff like partying. Um, so I had my, my challenge there and I had a, a difficult time in the first year of college that I had to overcome. And I, that, that, was, that was really kind of a, an important time for me because I personally um, was, was kind of focused on getting to this point of being an engineer, being in telecommunications, but this sort of got in the way and I had to kind of reassess my, my whole priorities and um, uh, you know, kind of reassess because I was being told by the counselors, hey, maybe you don't belong in engineering, maybe you should go do something else. And I kind of thought through that myself and said, no, absolutely, I'm going to do this. And I did it and I did it in, with style. There you go. I mean, there's so many distraction, distractions within college, especially as a freshman, totally brand, brand new world. You, you've never witnessed anything like that before. You major in partying and you minor in, uh, I mean, anything else you want to minor in except for the curriculum. So... <laughs> <laughs> there you I mean, go. It's, it's really pick and choose, but... Um... But that, that actually drove uh, some interesting thinking in my mind, which is that, you know, I, I've always told my kids, which is, um, you know, you've got to be balanced. So if you're going to college, you know, you got to make sure you're studying, but you don't have to get all A's or, you know, 4.x GPA. You should get a decent GPA, maybe a three point something or the other, right? But you've got to have a well-balanced view of, of life. So you've got to have some leadership qualities, something that you're doing outside of uh, just school. Um, and that could be in, in um, uh, sports, it could be in uh, some activities or clubs that you're involved in or some associations that you're part of. Um, and then you've got to have fun as well. So you've got to do all three. And that makes you a better person um, than just being a pure academic. Right. And I think it builds character as well. And I think, you know, companies outside of college, you know, kind of once you hit that graduation mark, once you walk across the stage, you know, companies that are looking to hire people, um, you know, coming out of college or just looking to see if, you know, you were able to pay attention during class, you know, complete the assignments in a timely manner and throughout all four years. And I think that's, that's what companies are looking for to see if you built that. True. But also what, what, how you built that journey, how you built your character over that period as well. You know, what sort of relationships have you made, how you developed yourself, how committed are you to just not going to class, but maybe even having a job or doing some work. Um, so really kind of seeing how focused you are and how committed you are to succeed. So I understand, um, I guess a little birdie on the street told me that you climbed the base camp of Mount Everest. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, not too and, long. Yeah. How does, how does that give you inspiration in both, you know, the business and the family side of things? Yeah. You know, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's actually a great, it's a great experience. First of all, if you ever get a chance to do it, you absolutely should. Um, it's, um, a lot of training that you have to do to get there, which, which kind of is, is kind of giving you that focus and attention, um, to really kind of uh, strive towards a goal. And then when you have here, go ahead. I said, it takes discipline. To it do takes that. discipline. Um, and there's a lot of unknowns, like, just like life, there's a lot of unknowns. You know, you don't know how you, your body's going to react to lack of, lack of oxygen, right? So you've got to continue to go down that path and it's, it's strenuous, right? So it was eight days of journey, uh, where, it's you, your mind, and your body, and it's just you, right? You've got to focus on yourself, and you're trying to get to this goal, and you're doing it not just for yourself, but the team and the family. So, um, you know, to be candid, when I got to the top, uh, to base camp, there was two pictures I held up to take photographs with. One was Versa, and the second was with my family. Family first, and then Versa. But, you know, both are my family. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I think that was... I mean, would you say that had a huge impact on your life, especially going forward now? 
It has. It has. And you know what? You you really kind of, uh, it, it's a humbling experience because when you're out there um, and there was 11 of us that were climbing together um, and, you know, you're, you're having some fun as you're going because you got your buddies with you, but, you know, you're talking and there's no no distractions. It's just you and the mountains and the clear blue sky or snow or whatever you kind of go across. And it is a nature, right? It's It's a humbling experience where you really kind of internalize all of that and you realize that you're not you're not up here. You're just a simple, plain old human being, and and you come down to reality, right? I mean, take the humanity side of it. Um, what was was there anything scary up there for you? Like, did you witness any fear, or like, were you covered by fear at all? You know, climbing that mountain? Um, no, I don't think there was any fear as such. But I think the the fear of failure is always there, right? What if I don't make it, or what if I you know step on the wrong? It's not like you're going up uh, big cliffs. But there is strenuous, right? You've got you've got a lot of hard work, and you've got to stop every um, few hundred feet, or maybe even less, to breathe um, and to drink a lot of water. So um, I don't know if I, there was fear as much as as just kind of a, um, a, a uncertainty about okay, what's going to happen? Are we going to make it through the next day? Are we meaning is somebody else going to have to go back? Because we had out of the eleven, three of us or three of my friends had to be flown back because their bodies just weren't able to handle um, different things. So during the eight days, during the eight day course, 11 went down to eight and eight of us made it. That's awesome. Eight days, eight people climbed the mountain. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, so, well, and, and uh, it's absolutely beautiful. The people are great. The journey is awesome. And it really builds, builds you as a person. I'm, I'm going to have to do that one day. I'm going to put it on the bucket list. Just do it while you're young, Matt. I did it when I was uh, just over 50. So <laughs> my recommendation would be don't wait that long. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, you know, you mentioned friends that you were that you were with climbing the mountain. What what does friendship mean to you? Um, you know, I have I have uh, have lots of people I call friends, right? And uh, um, f- friendships, you know, m- you know, <laughs> uh, we always say this, and my wife and I, which is, uh, you b- become friends for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, right? And what the friends that I really cherish are the ones that I have for a lifetime. I have friends from high school, college, um, you know, even outside of work that I may not connect with all the time, but when we need each other, when we meet, it's like we've never, we've always picked up from where things have left off. It's like we've never been apart, right? So to me, friendship is really about um, about um, giving more than getting. It's about trust. It's about respect. Uh, and it's about, you know, building memories and having fun. I agree. I could, you know, I couldn't agree more. I have, I have a very close knit group of friends that I still call home. And, uh, like you mentioned, you know, calling them, whether it's been a year or five years and you just pick up right where you left off. And I think that's the true power of friendship right there. That's right. Where do you, um, where do you see Versa Networks in five years? Well, um, we're, we're, um, we're an execution machine, right? On the product side. So, we are innovating at um, an unprecedented pace and probably faster than anyone else in the industry. And we're not as big as some of the big companies are, but even our small team, you know, lots of innovation. So from a product innovation side, we're going to be continuing to be the leader across across the areas that we play in. Um, and I think that there's a huge road ahead on innovation that we continue to, to uncover as we kind of go deeper with more customers and learn more about their problems and how we've got to solve them. Um, 
The second thing is from a business side, I think that if we continue to do what we're doing, which is um, demonstrating to customers the value that we bring to them, why it makes sense for them to work with us, we could be a very successful um, company, uh, successful business. Um, and uh, that's fundamentally where I see us, which is being that leading innovator um, and having a strong business with good fundamentals around not just um, you know um, the metrics, but even profitability or growth or margins or whatever else. Yes, but really kind of a successful business that people will remember. People will remember because we're actually going to build a legacy for how we innovated this industry with this big problem of everything moving to cloud and, and uh, uh, um, private cloud and public cloud and people coming in from and connecting from everywhere. There's a whole inflection point that's occurring in the market with digital transformation and we'll be the center of that. So that fundamentally is going to be the, the key to our success, which is using innovation and building that business to kind of go make that happen. That's what's going to happen to us in five years. Forward to it. I'm going to and go ahead and start my stopwatch here for five years from now. But, um, you know, I, I heard that Versa Networks is the pioneer in this revolution. We are, you know, because, um, and it's a simple phrase, but, um, you know, when I, when I uh, first came out of uh, Cisco, um, part of the thing that I noticed was that there was these companies and all these companies were building a point product. And the point product was like focused around solving one problem. And nobody was looking at the, the problem as a whole, the customer problem as a whole. Everyone was looking at, well, I'm going to go focus on this little piece of the problem, but the customer can do other things that they want. Um, and the approach that um, Apoorva and Kumar took was very different, right? They kind of said very simply, which is in the future, when workloads and applications are anywhere, data is everywhere, and users are connecting from everywhere, you can't have a place in the network where you can put a point product. Why? Because when you're getting to cloud, internet's your on-ramp. So you don't know where to put a box or you don't know where to put a point product or something to do something, right? So you've got to have network with security built in, not bolted on, because you don't know where to bolt it on. Right. So why not throw it into two or into one, two for one special? There, well, yes, absolutely. And that's what we've done. We've got uh, solutions which combine networking with security into a very uh, beautiful architecture. We call it unified SASE, which is a platform-based approach, not a portfolio-based approach. And you get that and you solve many problems that you may have. I'm glad you brought that up because one of my questions was, you know, a lot of the competitors are using SASE, you know, unified market using an acquisition approach and versus taking the platform approach, you know, being mm -hmm. built from the ground up. So how does that differentiate, you know, versus networks from other competitors? Yeah, no, it's huge. And, you know, um, there are many incumbents out there that have acquired companies uh, because they have gaps in their portfolio. Because the way SASE has been defined is it's a combination of functions that you need to have, and you need to be able to, to do those functions either on the premise or in the cloud. And every company is out there trying to say, hey, I, I, I do SASE. So um, the smart analysts have kind of looked at this and said, no, 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 wait. Um, you, you may check the boxes for having these functions, but what you're, uh, you are is a disaggregated or a portfolio-based approach to SASE not a platform-based approach to SASE. Because fundamentally, SASE is designed for um, simplifying, like I said, uh, what enterprises do. So um, having a, a, a set of tools, um, you know, doesn't quite make, make things simple to build a house. You've got to have a much more, um, you know, kind of a factory that drives automation and do all those things to, to right. do that. Right. So, so to me, it's, it's very, it's very uh, different. I mean, I'll give you an analogy, right? Let's let's take the analogy of traveling, right? You and I travel. What do we do when we travel? Well, first thing we do is we make a reservation, right, to book a flight. 
But once we made that reservation, now it's up to us to figure out when we're going to leave the home, how we're going to get to the airport, which airport we're going to is decided when we book the flight. Once we get to the airport, you know, or before you check in or you check your bags in, um, where they check your ID. So there's a security check there. Then you go through a TSA security line, right, where they don't care where you're coming from or where you're going. They're just going to look at you, get you through the security line and put you on the other side. And now you got to go figure out where your boarding gate is. You got to sit in the boarding gate area. Then you got to get on the flight and hopefully you pick the best flight, which is the right either direct or connection. But you at the mercy of the airlines. You get to where you're going. You get off the plane. You've got to go through uh, security and immigration. Um, and then you get, you know, call an Uber or Lyft and then you kind of get to the destination where you're going. That's that's a full travel experience, right? Right. So now if you look at many of the security players the cloud security players, what they do in that whole chain is basically the TSA security line. That's they it. don't care where you're coming from and where you're going to. All they're doing is saying, ah, you want to go somewhere? Come to where I am. Come to my pop. I'm going to do all the security functions and I'm going to put you on the other side of that security line. Then you're on your own, right? That's the analogy of what they do. Now compare that to what we do, right? We provide a fully managed travel experience. Once you made that booking, we'll come to your house. We'll do the security check right there. We'll check you in. We'll take your bags. We'll put them in a car. And it's going to be a self-driving car that has ways built in that gets you out to the airport at the right time because you know when you need to leave. And by the way, you don't have to go through anything else because you've already done your pre-check and security and everything. You go right to the tarmac and it's a private jet waiting for you. And you get on that private jet and you get to your destination. doesn't matter where you have to connect from. We've already chosen the best flight path. And once you get there, your security check happens right on the plane. The security officer comes in, immigration officer comes in, and the car is waiting for you to take you to your end destination. That's the difference in experience that we provide versus many of the other cloud security players. So it sounds like Versa Networks is, you know, treating people, you know, customers, future customers, what, whatever it may be, with first class. You know, both that and uh, focused on a the user experience and security, both. I'm glad. I'm glad we talked about this because when I was talking with Kumar, he mentioned, actually didn't mention, he brought it up multiple times, customer obsession. What are, tell me what your thoughts are on that. Like, go, go ahead. Yeah, so that's a key cultural um, aspect of Versa, right? We're obsessed with customers, right? Meaning um, we, we're, in, we're in business and we do what we do every day to solve customer problems. Right. So for us, um, if a customer calls, we got to respond quickly. Um, we got to ask the right questions. We got to learn from them. We got to understand what their issues are and we got to go solve them. And that may happen in a sales cycle or when you're trying to figure out a qualified customer. It may happen when the customer's going through a buying decision with us, or it may happen when the customer's using our product and they have an issue. Right. And it's got to be embedded in all of us, which is we're in business because of our customers. And so that part where, where you've got to, get shit done um, when customers call is where, the way you got to act and react. Right. right. That's what really customer obsession is about. Doing, doing what's needed, when it's needed, to delight the customers. You, I mean, a company can't be where it's at without the customers. We, we value them. Every, I mean, everyone should value them, one, because they're the ones part of the journey with us. It's not just because of them, but we're, we're bringing them on to the journey with us and we want them to be a part. Uh, Absolutely. And, and you know what? Delighting customers or making customers happy, they're going to go tell their friends. They're going to go talk about it, talk about you and what you've done for them um, and, and uh, with all of their network. And that brings you success. Number one marketing tool right there. Absolutely. So I'm glad you mentioned success. What, 
What does success mean to you? Ah, well, success means different things to different people. As a company, success means you're meeting your goals, your objectives, um, and you know you're kind of on that path that you need to get to. Uh, for for some companies, success means you're profitable. Or for other companies, success means you're IPO. To me personally, what success means as a person or as an individual is really kind of feeling like I've achieved what I needed to. And it's not financial. It's about. Uh, it's not necessarily about money. It's not about product. It's about anything else. But feeling like I've left my mark on the industry. That's to me what success would look like, is leaving a mark on the industry for us and the company to really be that that uh, that uh, partner for them to really help them manage through this industry transition that's going on right now from um, private to public clouds, and then from on-prem workforce to a hybrid workforce, uh, and being able to do the security and network both for them. I like that. I like that. So, you know, having success driven throughout your whole entire life and, you know, experiencing that obviously got you to where you are today being the CEO and the president. So what, like, what made you want to become a leader? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, what made me want to be a leader? Um, have your expectations been met on top of that? Yeah, I, I, yes, I, I think, um, you know, um, uh, it, leadership is, is, um, uh, is all that I expected it to be. And, um, you know, to me, leadership isn't something that you wake up one day, um, and decide you're going to be a leader. I think, um, it just kind of people recognize that you're a leader more than you recognize that, you know, I have leadership qualities and they give you that opportunity. And fundamentally to me, uh, people saw what I, what, uh, what I brought to the table, meaning the right attitude, the right aptitude and having good abilities. And they gave me the opportunity. They gave me the opportunity to, um, to, you know, take, they believed in me, they trusted me and said, you know, we're going to give you that chance. And when I got that chance, I delivered, made the most of it. Um, they felt I was successful, so they gave me more. And then they gave me more, and they gave me more. And that's really what um, how, how the leadership journey has gone. Um, the biggest transition that I've gone through is from being like an individual contributor to a first-line manager. That's where you really learn the true aspect of leadership. Because uh, that transition, you, you basically know what to do everything that your team does. But you have to um, not do it for them. You have to you have to learn to get them to do it the way it's needed to be done. Right. So you have to learn to let go, and you have to let the others flourish. Uh, and that's the other part about leadership is not about you know uh, not about hiring people that'll work for you. You want to bring in people that are better than you that will hopefully grow to be even more than you someday. Is I mean I think that's the goal. With every with everything that you do, not even not just business related, but you know in your personal life as well, Absolutely. and making sure you, like I said, step out of that comfort zone and, like, for instance, I want to be better than the next person in line. That way, I can grow and grow and grow, and then when that time comes, I can be better than that person. Right. And just keep on succeeding, flourishing, like you said. So, you know, for people that want to become leaders and, you know, write a name for themselves, what, what, what would you say to those leaders that want to transform their careers as executives in the tech industry? Mm. Well, first thing is, is, um, you know, um, leadership is lonely. So if you want to be a leader, um, you know, um, learn to, to trust others and have a network of folks that you trust that you can rely on to get input as a leader. 
Let's right. backtrack. You said lonely. So wouldn't you want to have a great support system behind you? You always do. But at the end of the day, the buck stops on you, right? When you're the coach or you're the quarterback, you're a leader. And everything else, you know, you know what's going on, what the scouts are done, what the assistant coaches are telling you. But at the end of the day, it's your call. You've got to make that call and say, let's do this. So people look to you for direction. People look to you for guidance and people to look to you for consultation. So in that sense, leadership is somewhat lonely. Now, you may get data and inputs from everyone, right? But you've got to make that final call to say, let's, do, let's go forward with this because this is the best thing given all the data points that I have. It's good to hear. I'm, I'm I'm glad your values lie personally within you like that, and it's it sounds awesome. You know, brings you up to this success where you are now. And I, to me, just talking to you right here, I could tell you're you're a proven leader. So I thank you. That's right. That. But that said, you know, to be a leader, what you got to do is you have to have the three A's. You got to have solid abilities in whichever field that you want to be a leader in. You got to have aptitude because you don't know what you're going to deal with. Look at all that we're dealing with today. Right. There's always surprises. You got to figure out how to navigate through the surprises and, you know, manage the unknown and navigate through interesting environments and conditions and, and things. So aptitude is absolutely key. But the biggest thing fundamentally that thinks people can't teach you is attitude. You got to have a can-do attitude. And if you have that can-do attitude, you have that aptitude to deal with ambiguity and navigate through uncertain times, and you have the good abilities, you can be a leader. As long as, as long as you have cultural values, which which is simply put, you know, do the right thing every time, act as if the camera is always on, respect others to get respect, trust through transparency and open communications, and be accountable yourself before you hold other people accountable. I like that last part. Because I mean, if you're not going to be able to do anything for others, how are you going to do it for yourself first? Yep. You so now I heard, I heard you like wine. I heard you're a wine store. <laughs> uh, are you, been, are you a red wine? Yeah. Yes, Good wine, white wine. What, you know uh, what I tell? What as I say it, um, I don't discriminate uh, when it comes to uh, wine. Uh, there's, there's, and there's no good or bad. It's uh, uh, the right wine for the right time and for with the right mood and environment. So if it's daytime and if it's a sunny day out, maybe it's a rosé or a champagne. Or if it's evening, maybe it's an early evening. It could be a pinot or or uh, something else or Barolo, and then. As you go deeper into the evening, could be a heavier red, super Tuscan, uh, California cab, uh, you name it, Bordeaux. Now, have you been to Napa Valley or any other of the, um, what what are they called? Wine, help me out here. Wineries. Wine Wineries, yes. Wine countries. Uh, so luckily in the valley, we're about an hour and a half away from Napa. So I get a chance to go there quite often. I have my favorite spots. Uh, I have no, my are you favorite. going for St. Patty's Day? Uh, no, not today. Well, you know, there's no green wine there, so add a little coloring. You're good. There you go. Well, I might do that in beer, but not in wine. But I have enough wine in the house that I can do that with. I don't need to go to Napa for that today. It is um, Fridays are typically not a good day to go up to Napa because traffic is uh, a mess. But um, we will normally go up on a Saturday early morning and and have a nice day or a weekend out of it and come back. That's awesome. So just you and the wife. Uh, we have friends, yeah. My wife and I will go, or we'll go with some friends and just go hit a couple of wineries and come back. That is so awesome to hear that you have a wife that supports you and carries you. And well, not necessarily carries you, but like, I guess just has, you know, it's holding your hand beside all your journeys and adventures in life and showing yeah. that 
she can be there for you every step of the way. You know, when you turn left or right, she's always going to be there. I'm very fortunate to have a, a, a lovely and beautiful and, and supportive partner who's been with me through thick and thin. And um, uh, we're, we're continuing to partner well and navigate our way through life. I think that's what uh, relationships are all about. It's, it's not just, it's not just, oh, you know, all, all the good things. I mean, you have to, as in a relationship, you could experience the bad together too in order to grow. Absolutely. And I was fortunate enough that she was uh, my best friend. So I married my best friend. There you go. I also have uh, one of my best friends that I'm in a relationship. So, Oh, good. For that. So if you had the attention for the whole, and for the whole world to see and to hear for mm. five minutes, what would you say? I would cut, tell them the same thing that we talked about when it comes to leadership, right? Which is um, believe in yourself, um, give risk, give respect to get respect, uh, do the right thing every time, no matter where you are, act as if the camera is always on. What justifies the right thing? Is well, that, that each person's own moral code? Well, there's of course the laws of the, the land, et cetera, but then more importantly, it's you, it's your values, your, um, internal moral compass, right? That you've got to do the right thing by. Um, and, um, you know, believe in others and trust, trust, uh, others. Trust and uh, trust each word. And, uh, make the world a better place. I like that. I like that. Well, if we ever get you on a, you know, what, what, what's a big broadcast system up, we'll be sure to tune in and listen. But you'll like minutes. Anything over five minutes, I don't know. <laughs> I need five minutes. Maybe two is enough. <laughs> hey, there Maybe you go. That means, that, means great, that means a great message is behind it. So there you go. Don't think I didn't forget about that one question. What's the most embarrassing moment of your life? Top of the head. Probably when I embellish too much at um, some function and um, <laughs> made a fool out of myself at some point. So I, I think that tends to happen to all of us. Mm. No, no one's perfect. So mm -hmm. no one's per perfect, but <laughs> all right. So, you know, before we close out, what was your favorite part of, you know, this episode here? Well, I think the, 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 uh, learning more about you, uh, getting to meet you and, um, uh, getting to know you through the questions that you've asked. Um, it gives me a sense of, uh, understanding who you are, where you've come from, what values you have. And that's the best part for me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I like to hold myself um, accountable, not just for myself, but for others as well. And I hope that we, you and I get to, you know, meet here soon and we actually can go out and uh, Absolutely. Really encourage each other and yes. more in depth. Absolutely. I love that. All right. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for, you know, hopping on today and uh, joining me in Curious Conversations with Matt, episode two here. I do appreciate your time. Do you have anything else you want to say before we before we end it? No, thank you for having me, Matt, and really appreciate it. And um, and uh, reach out anytime if you need something. I'm always here. Awesome, Kelly. Thank you so much. All right, guys. If you guys, um, if you guys would like, please leave a like and a follow or subscribe. And I'm always here for feedback, so please, you know, leave a rating. And uh, that's it for episode two. Thank you. Mm -hmm.